When something goes wrong in an area, it can shake an entire neighborhood. Even if you don't know your neighbors all that well, chances are you'd be pretty shocked if something bad happened to them. Every day, in times of crisis, neighbors pull together to help others out, and that's a really beautiful thing. But it's also important to consider the real reasons that people help. People might help because they care. They might help because they want to be closer to the drama, or because they want to learn more. And sometimes, they help to cover up the crime that they committed. My name is Brianne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. Today's episode is part three of the four-part Babes in the Wood murder series, so if you haven't listened to the first two episodes, go back and check them out. Today, we're going to talk about Nicola Fellows and Karen Hathaway, two nine-year-old friends in England that went out to play at the park and never came back. When we're young, life can feel like a non-stop adventure. It's so easy to get swept up in the newness of the world. You are exploring new places, developing a sense of identity, and having fun while you do it. Life is exciting, and it should be. It would be a beautiful world if every child could grow up in a safe place that is filled with adventure and learning, but we don't live in that world. At some point, all kids begin to push boundaries. They will eventually want more than the little piece of life that their parents handed them, and when that happens, kids can get pretty sneaky. On the day that Nicola and Karen went missing, they were breaking the rules. The two girls decided to go to a special place. A place that they were not allowed to go. Wild Park. When I was the same age as Nicola and Karen, I was very lucky to have someone really special by my side. A friend who was really more like a sister to me. And when I read through the story and the second criminal case that came with it, this one really shook me to my core. Reading about the friendship that these girls shared, about the way that they went to a local shop to find snacks, and how they just wanted to explore what is clearly a beautiful park, it hits home because I was that little girl. And I broke the same rule they did, like I'm sure most of you have. But the majority of us make it back home after we do it. To provide a reference for how jarring and unexpected this outcome was and how young children really are at that age, I thought it would be best to share a story of my own for comparison. When I was a year or two older than these girls, my friend, who I will call Lily for the sake of anonymity, and I decided to break the rules. You see, we had secretly been saving our money, pooling it for something very special, an easy bake oven. At the time in question, we weren't allowed to cook if no one was at home, and Honestly, cooking it all was kind of a stretch because we had recently tried to cook bacon with disastrous outcomes. We didn't know how to cook bacon, 
So we just put it in a pot and stirred it around the side with a spatula and then ate it half raw. (laughs) It did not go well. And we kind of received a ban from the kitchen by Lily's parents after that. The Easy Bake Oven seemed like the answer to our problem, because when you are young, there are very few things that can't be fixed by baking tiny cakes over a light bulb. There was only one problem. It was the middle of summer, and her parents weren't going to be home for literal hours. And even then, getting them to take us to the local Target was going to be a stretch because they had plans that evening. So we devised a plan of our own. At this point in time, we weren't allowed to go to Target. The only way there was on a main road, which we were forbidden to walk along. It was heavily trafficked, and there wasn't really a sidewalk or a clear path all the way there. But we did it anyway, weaving in and out of the neighborhood as best we could out of fear that for some reason her parents would be driving down the road and see us. We went to Target. We paid with our little pile of saved-up allowance, and we brought our Easy Bake Oven back. Of course, we couldn't let her parents see it without explaining how we got it. So, on our way back, we hid it in a bush at the local elementary school so they wouldn't see us carrying it in. That evening, Lily snuck back out after her parents left while I distracted her little brother, who we were babysitting, She returned, and we bribed him with cookies to buy his silence. That is an example of how Karen and Nicola's evening could have gone. Now let's talk about what really happened. After a night of playing and fun, the two girls did not return home. When they missed their curfew and the night grew darker, their parents called police to report them missing. Police began to search, and the neighborhood rallied behind them, including one member in particular, a man named Russell Bishop. Russell was 20 years old at the time and was a known roofer in the area. He knew the little girls because he lived nearby, so he decided to offer up his services to help. You see, Russell had a leg up here. He owned a specially trained tracking dog that he believed could lead them to the girls. Everyone went out, and a while later, out of 200 people, Russell and his canine companion found the girls. Being a good citizen, he checked the girls for a pulse, but the two of them were already dead. Further evidence would show that they had been strangled and sexually assaulted. From the moment that police confirmed that the bodies belonged to the two missing girls, they were completely committed to finding out who had carried out this crime. When two young girls are killed and assaulted, people demand answers. At the time, police had three primary suspects in mind. Nicola's father, Karen's father, and Russell Bishop. While most would consider it unimaginable for a father to attack his daughter and her friend, the reality is that it happens. But with a little police work, the two fathers were ultimately cleared for the crime, which meant all suspicion was now on Russell. Russell Bishop would not be the first killer to actively join the search for victims in a crime that he committed, and police knew that too. From the start, they suspected that there might be a weighted interest in the case. 
Was Bishop really a concerned neighbor just looking out for two local girls, or was there more to the story? So let's start with why Russell thought he could help. Bishop claimed that his dog was a trained search dog who might be able to successfully find the girls. That's cool, right? It's a very nice resource to have. A quick search will show you that Russell Bishop was the son of Sylvia Bishop, who was a well-known international dog trainer. While it certainly adds a degree of believability to his story, I couldn't find anything that confirmed that his dog really could do what he claimed it could. If we give Bishop credit and go with the idea that his dog really did find the girls, there's then the matter of his next action. Checking pulses on both of the girls. According to him, he made the executive decision to check the girls' necks for a pulse. Sure, a concerned citizen checking to see if a child is alive might make sense, but police thought there might be more going on here. Considering the fact that the girls were strangled, Bishop finding a way to justify his DNA being on their necks seemed a little too convenient. Police believed that Bishop committed this crime, and they pursued it, too. It isn't a secret that court cases can often come down to a matter of logistics and lawyers. Lawyers make the money they do in a lot of cases because it's their job to explain away what happened, or to prove that police have it all wrong. Sometimes this is a great thing, and it saves people from being charged for crimes that they didn't commit. We all know how many people end up wrongly imprisoned, particularly when racial prejudice is involved. But what about the other people? What about the ones who have lawyers that get them out of charges for a crime that they really did commit? In 1987, Russell Bishop was found not guilty. In court, there was a slight focus on Bishop's mother. According to the reports, she wasn't just a dog trainer. She was also incredibly controlling and unpleasant. Some people believe that this is what fueled his hatred and violence towards women. But was that real or was it just a rumor? Do you ever wonder what people would say if you ended up in the news for being related to a crime? Do you ever wonder who would step up and tell the news what you were like? Would loved ones or close friends be singing your praises? Would someone who barely knew you but never liked you all that much be spreading lies? Well, people were pretty open about Bishop, and what they shared was definitely concerning. According to them, Bishop had a pretty bad reputation around town. Even though he had a significant other and would go on to have several children, he was known to run around with a lot of different girls. And I do mean girls. Bishop was known to have teenage girlfriends, and people who knew him were well aware of his perverse interest in young girls. Reports stated that he would watch young girls in the park and fantasize about dating them when they finally became teenagers. In fact, while he was waiting for his trial in this case, he was actively writing love letters to another little girl who was only 11 at the time. People were also pretty quick to point out his aggression, which 
One person chalked up to his small stature, as if he had something to prove. So, when Bishop was found not guilty, he was ostracized by locals in the area. People hated him, and they fully believed that he did commit this crime. Less than three years after being found not guilty, Bishop was arrested for attacking a seven-year-old girl. He abducted, assaulted, and attempted to murder this little girl. When he was asked about it, he claimed that he decided that he might as well do what everyone was accusing him of. He claimed that his actions were committed out of mental illness due to being targeted by locals. Of course, the long list of underage women involved with him would suggest otherwise. Unfortunately for him, his newest victim survived despite his attempt to kill her, and she was later able to identify him. He received life in prison with a minimum 14-year sentence. Justice was served in this specific case, but what about Nicola and Karen? Having already been tried and acquitted, Bishop couldn't be tried again, at least not until a 2005 change in law. After being released from prison for his other crime, Bishop found himself back in the hot seat. In 2018, he was charged for killing Nicola and Karen, and this time, he was found guilty. It was definitely a long wait for justice in this case, but there's a very real chance that Bishop will be dead before he is ever released from prison. A fact which I am sure brings comfort to a lot of people. The fact that another girl and maybe others we don't even know about could have been spared by an initial guilty verdict is a pretty big pill to swallow, but at least Russell Bishop is exactly where he should be, rotting in a jail cell. True crime almost never has a happy ending, but justice for the victims is as close as we can get, and at least that finally came through here. So, if you want to talk more about murder, or you just want more details about my harrowing easy-bake oven heist, you can reach me on Twitter or Instagram using the tag at datpod. And if you are looking for ad-free listening, don't forget to head over and become a patron at patreon.com slash like and inscribe. Thanks, guys. 